0: Building a championship winning team, whether that be in business, in sport, in politics, whatever area, whatever industry or profession, all of them follow the same fundamental rules. And if you want to build a championship team, then my suggestion is to learn from other people's mistakes because you will not live long enough to make all the mistakes yourself. And that will accelerate your growth and You'll accelerate your knowledge and skills to be able to build a team that's going to serve your business, your sport, or whatever your cause may be. So one thing I've always done in my journey, I've always looked at championship sporting teams, sporting team, because that's my big background in sport, particularly in uh, martial arts, and I've competed in different types of teams and different sports, and I like to study greatness i like to study great teams great sports people to give me some clues and give me some information and skills and knowledge so i can build my own team and over my journey of 34 years in business i've built over 15 different businesses some of them have been average some of them have been good and some have been, have been absolute fantastic but all of them I've absolutely loved because I've always done it for the right reason. I've always built businesses based on my passion uh, and my purpose, and then I aim to attract the right people to build that business, to serve that purpose, to achieve that business goals. So tonight's session is about some fundamental steps to help you build a great business. So step number one, if you look at your business, Whatever profession it is, and I'm not going to be using the fitness profession because that's my profession. And I've had personal training studios with well over 20 personal trainers working for me. And I've had colleges with over 200 people working uh, with me. And the goal is to get everyone onto the same page, to get everyone into the same lane, get everyone going into the same direction. And sometimes that's like herding cats because they're all over the place. <clears throat> but you've got to be careful. If those cats aren't doing what you want them to do, then you chose the cat. There's no saying if your team are not doing what you want them to do, then don't blame them, train them. But even before you get to the training part, you may have just made the wrong choice. You may have chose a wrong person for that position or even your business. So the first step is to have a look at your business and go back to what we call zero-based thinking. If you, don't already have, if you don't have a business, then that's easy because you're already at zero base anyway. You've got nothing to start with. It's like a clean, a clean canvas. You can paint your business the way you want to paint it, but you already have an existing business, uh, then that might be a little more challenging because you've already adopted <laughs> uh, a lot of people on your team already. But zero base thinking is if, if you had to start again, what would you continue to do? What would you stop doing? and what would you start to do? And then you work your way through that process to get to that end game. And we're going to refer to people because most businesses are built on people. Now, some businesses not. You know, If you go down to the local shopping center and there's a chewing gum machine or a lolly machine, and you put 20 cents in, you turn it and the money come out, then that's not based on business, that's purely based on product. And you're not sure if that bubble gum is nice enough, I'll go back and do it again, where it's not reliant on services from people. Now, in the fitness profession or the exercise profession, it is very much a people orientated profession. If I go into, I use an example of a gym or a large personal training studio, I walk in and there will be someone there to greet me or ignore me, <laughs> either one. Hopefully, greet me, but unfortunately, a lot of time it's ignoring me. And that person will greet me, and then they'll take me to the. Uh, the sales consultant who'll give me a tour and they'll have to connect with me and obviously to make a sale to convince me to join and then I'll go into a group exercise class where there's a person on the stage or in front doing yeah 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 Great vine and yeah, yeah. come on do some more squats or I might get a trainer where it's more one-on-one uh, so everything I do is very much people orientated. if I'm training by myself then I still want to have good gym floor service with people coming up to me uh, seeing if I need any help so In the fitness profession, it's very people. Your business is really dependent upon people and getting people to do what you want them to do to build your business, to serve your purpose, to make the profit that you want to make. And that in itself can be challenging. And obviously, if you're a sole trader and you're a trainer who trains your, you know, you're the only trainer and you you train all your clients here, then you just basically need self-management. You just need to manage your time and managing your discipline and managing your accounts and managing your your bookings and managing your clients. And it's all about yourself. So really, everything lays in your hands. So you have to have good self-discipline and self-management skills, where you have to develop the skills to manage yourself. However, when you have team players come on board uh, of your train that's taking you to the direction that you want to, the destination you want to take them, then now you have to develop a whole new set of skills. And that is people management. You have to get people to do what you want them to do. If it's just you, it's easy because you say, this is what I have to do, and you go and do it. You go and tell someone else, this is what you have to do, and sometimes they do it, sometimes they don't, sometimes they do something completely the opposite. It's quite challenging, and that's why there's a great saying is, the best salesperson in a business will not always make the best sales manager. So sometimes if someone goes up the corporate ladder in sales and they become the top dog, the good sales dog, uh, then people say, wow, you're fantastic. So if I put you into the management position, then you make everyone else make sales like you. And they put them in the management position and they fail dismally. And I've seen that so many times because it's a different creature to self-manage yourself and self-drive yourself to make sales to someone who has the, the skill set to connect with other people to bring out the best in them. Some people are very great at bringing in the best out of them themselves and other people are great at bringing in the best out of other people. You see that in sport. Many times the best coaches weren't the best players and a lot of the time the best, places are the best players make the worst coaches. And I'm going to quote some coaches today. But if you look at a lot of the coaches, uh, would there be boxing coaches like Angelo Dundee or Alex Ferguson, so Angelo Dundee from boxing and Alex Ferguson from soccer, and uh, Phil Jackson from basketball? And I'll, I'll quote these more. They were legendary, legendary coaches in soccer and basketball, and in boxing. But they aren't iconic uh, greats of their sport. And sometimes. <clears throat> Average players become great coaches. And why is that? Well that's an interesting point. And I have a theory on that. Sometimes great players in their sport are great naturally and they don't really know why they're great. They just have this natural instinctive way of playing the game and they're self-driven and they become great. And if you ask, yeah, you know, list down the, the top points of why you're great, sometimes they'll be chumps with that because they never really analyse themselves because it just comes naturally. Then other times there might be an average player who wants to be great. So they spend all their time studying the great players. So they actually go through the process to become great, but they don't have that natural instinct, but they go through that logistical approach to become a good player and maybe a, a, a very good player, and but they really studied it so much. So now they have all this knowledge and skills where they can now go and coach others because they really have an analytical process they've gone through in their playing games to become are great coaches. That's my theory, anyway. So, my point being is that the best person in one position won't necessarily become the best person to manage that position because they probably require different, uh, a different skill set, uh, different personality, and we'll talk more about that. So, when you look at your business, first of all, you have to put everything on paper and say, okay, what type of business do I want to grow? If it's a, a gym or a personal training studio, well, okay, who, what do I need? I need someone at the front end and a lot of people ignore the the receptionist <laughs> which i feel is the most important one of the most important and no one's more important than anyone else you know the cleaner is one of the most important people because if the cleaner stops showing up then you're going to f- start losing members because everything becomes dirty uh, the toilets are a mess and people go I'm well, come in here uh, so that's really important i know when i go into a restaurant uh, and one of the places I always visit is the bathroom and I go into the bathroom and if the bathrooms are an absolute mess and dirty and disgusting you see they haven't been cleaned, then I'm starting to think, I wonder what the kitchen's like. <laughs> so the clean is really, really important because that will give you a perception of how clean the business is behind the doors, whether it be in the kitchen or whether it be the follow-up service that they're promising you at the front end. So. No position is more important than the other and that's really important to know when you're the leader of that team or the coach of that team or the owner or the manager of that team. And then you have to put, put out who do I need in that team? I need someone at the front, which is the reception. And then obviously that's the greeting and that person has to have a certain personality skill set and a uh, uh, a knowledge and a skill set to be able to adapt to that. The next, what else would you need in a gym? You Obviously you need... Uh, Probably a sales professional, a person who takes the person through the tour and sells them the dream of the perfect body, or being fit, or being strong, or being healthier, or rehabilitation, whatever it might be. So you need someone to do the sales professional job. Then you need someone for them to pass that on to, uh, to do the gym instructing, or the fitness training, or the personal training, or the exercise professional. So there's another person, uh, a group of people that you have to attract into your business. And then you have the other parts of the business who might be the group exercise, where you need someone on the stage or in front in a large group of people. And that's another skill set and a different type of personality where they're in front of a big group versus someone who's more one-on-one with somebody. So, And then you may have the custom service uh, department which follows people up to make sure they're being satisfied if their service is what they expected and and they can keep coming back. And then behind the scenes... Obviously, any business is going to require uh, all the paperwork behind the scenes, which means when they do sign up, someone has to log them into the computer as a member, they have to do the finances, so you need a financial department, you need an administration department, and obviously then you may outsource your legals. If you're really big, you may have an internal legal legal team. Uh, So there's many, many moving parts depending on the size of your business. So a small business will offload maybe the accounting and the bookkeeping and the lawyering, but a bigger business may say, I'll bring a bookkeeper in and because there's so much business for them, and that's going to save a lot of money in the accountant who will charge me $400 an hour, but my bookkeeper already charged me $50 an hour, that's going to save me money. If it's a massive organisation, you may have your own legal team. But I'm not going to go too far into that, I'm going to stick to more of the point uh, face-to-face contact that uh, the client will have in your business, and what happens behind is something which you can manage as well. So first of all, we have to get all the uh, the business and the positions uh, on on the board, and then you have to say, okay, where do I want to take this business, and what type of people do I need to attract to grow the business the way I want to grow it? So it's not about just starting the business and hope for the best. When you start a business, you say, okay, these are my projections of number of clients or number of members, and number of those members who stay over a course of time, yeah after twelve months how many of them are still training with me or how many of them are still members what is the yield how much are they paying uh, per week so each member what is the average yield so if you have just say it's a small personal training studio and you have a uh, hundred members and you're charging them say yeah, seventy dollars a session or seventy times a hundred that means you're, you're earning seven thousand dollars a week across a year we're looking at over three hundred and fifty thousand dollars But how many of those 100 are going to be staying with you? You may have a retention of, say, 80%. So now those 300, 60 of them are gone, but now you have to replace that. So you have, obviously, a marketing and advertising uh, department where you're going to keep marketing to top up the membership or the number of clients uh, to make up for the ones that drop off because they're not, not happy anymore, which you have to find out, or they don't want to do it anymore, or they've moved a destination, they can't do it, whatever reason it might be. But you're going to have to find the right people, to not just to satisfy those customers, but to wow them to for them to want to stay in your business and keep investing in your business, because your business is investing in their health, while they're investing in your wealth. <laughs> and obviously, not just your wealth, but the wealth of your team and not just talking financial wealth but all sorts of wealth of satisfaction and fulfillment and your values and your goals have all, all being satisfied. So when you look at each one of those positions, whether it be the reception, I'll call them a standard reception or the welcome person or the director of presentation, you know when people come in they're the first person to present themselves to you, whatever you want to call it. Then you have to say, okay, what is the skills each one of those needs? So go through we'll go through the logic. What is the particular skills they need? Uh, and is it uh, a group exercise you need the skills of doing a group exercise class obviously in the different types of classes. Uh, If it's personal training it's more the skills of one-on-one training whether it be on interval training or strength training or maybe outdoor training or you may have a big gym with rock climbing and all those other uh, recreational activities. It all depends on what you have to attract into your team to fulfil that skill set for that position. Uh, if it's a, you know, the reception, it's greeting people, but also maybe doing a bit of paperwork and doing the emails and answering the fun. That's a different skill set. So go through each and really list out all the skills that is needed. And that's easy. Just visualise what that person does during the day. And as you visualise them doing it, just document in your on the piece of paper what they're doing. Uh, and then that will give you a list of all the things they have to do, which means gives you the list of the skills that they have to have, whether they come with those skills or they come with potential and you train them in those skills. Then, the other really important thing is this is a bit more of a what we call a non tangible uh, is what personality is required for each of those positions. What personality? Now, I'm not going to go through the personality profile or the, the, the dis-personality profiles, the D-I-S-C, where oh, just the, the D, which is that they're a, a driven, task-oriented person. They're driven, task-oriented person. They want to get it done. Let's do it done. They're not always so much a people person. They can be, uh, but they're more driven and they're uh, directed, and they're tasking, they want to get stuff done. So they're very much high achievers. Uh, then you have the I's, which are more, I, uh, what we call influential, influential, out there, interactive type type people. And they like to be the center of attention. So what they love is uh, they're like people, they're a people-oriented person, but particularly when the people are watching them. Uh, then you have the S, which is what we call safety and security. So they're the people who are more nurturing uh, they like safety, security, they like to look after people, uh, they're more quiet. they people are people-oriented, but they're more uh, intrinsic, where the I personalities are more extrinsic. And then you have the C personality, which is uh, very, uh, how can you say, they're very compliant, they're very concise, they're very analytical. And they're not so people, they're very digits and numbers and calculations and stuff like that so they may be a bit more behind the scenes doing the numbers and the calculations and the budgets and the finances of of the business not to say that they can't be somewhere else in the business if they have a personally backup so you can have people who have a uh, an IS means they're or, or, or uh, a DI means they're D with the backup of an I personally so I'm not going to go into that because that's not this session you would have already covered that in disprofiling in the sales process, really important because if you put the wrong uh, personality type in the wrong position, they will hate it because it's just like oil and water. Yeah, the job is water, but they're oil. They don't actually like it. If you get someone who's shy and you put them out in front of a group exercise class, and they don't like to be the centre of attention, they're just going to melt. They're not going to like it at all. If you're going to have someone who's really driven and directed, and you give them a mundane job, they're going to get bored, bored really, really quickly. If you give an I personality, for example, who's a real people person, look at me, and you give them a a bookworm type uh, job, they're going to just go nuts. So it's really important that when you look at the personality, are they does that job? Is it more uh, requires someone who's really people orientated and consistent and reliable? Or are they people and out there and they're effervescent and they're entertaining? Uh, they, are they people there they need to be driven? So I'm not going to go into it, but you can work that out. Just look at the position and what personality. Uh, now, you can't have everything. There's no such thing as a perfect robot. Uh, it's, it's always going to be uh, you know, work on the you know, really... Um, develop their strengths while managing their weaknesses so if you have someone who's a personality who has a big D in them they'll get lots of clients, you know, they'll get lots and lots of clients because they're very driven but their paperwork won't be good at all because their paperwork, these aren't, don't have eye for detail so don't expect them to have great paperwork, don't get upset if they don't have great paperwork because you can't have you can't have your cake and eat it, you can't have someone who does lots and lots of training sessions earns lots and lots of money but their paperwork is a little bit of a mess. You need to manage that and make it as easy as possible, maybe with a backup team player, or to put some simple systems in place so it can be as easy as possible. So again, if you have someone who's more of an an S personality, who's really quiet and shy, but very loving and caring, you wouldn't put them in the head sales position because they're they're not driven, they're not gonna make a lot of sales. The ones they get will be fantastic, uh, and they'll take a while to do it, and they probably don't like uh, cold calling on the phone because they don't like confrontation. Again, these are just some simple examples of don't put a fullback in a rugby league game in the front row, they probably won't do as well, or particularly uh, in rugby union where the front row in scrummaging is uh, quite a, uh, you need a lot of strength and technique and rugby league's not so much. So you can put a player in the wrong position on your team and you're going to find they're not going to perform so well. It's like a great sporting coach. It's a great sporting coach will say, OK, this is, a, this is the, the team I want to create. So this is the type of team I want to create. And just recently, there was the State of Origin here uh, between Queensland and New South Wales, which is an iconic rugby league game between two states. It goes back 40 years, and it's very emotional for the states and very patriotic for each of the states. So <clears throat> I know the, the, the coach, Billy Slater, uh, he's the coach of the Queensland Rugby League team and uh, he picked a team and one of the yeah, experts is he has picked a typical Queensland team. He, the engine, which is the forwards, they're not flamboyant, they're not fancy, they don't do flick passes, they don't do a lot of offloads, but they are hard working. They'll just work up the middle, work up the middle, and they'll just keep going, driving through the middle, and they won't stop. They'll just keep going, and they'll keep doing that, and then the backs are fast. So they'll keep that momentum going, and the backs will fast, and the backs will be able to leverage off the forward movement of the forwards to really open up the spaces and use their speed to win the game. And that's basically what they did. They ended up winning the first game. I mean, not even goes to plan, I understand that. But there's a classic example where the coach says, what type of team? And there were some selection uh, choices that they made that not everyone agreed with. But he made those selection choices based on the type of team he wanted to build and how they wanted to play the game to beat the opposition. And if you're in business, you have to do the same thing. What type of team do I need to build uh, and and so I can beat my competitors and put myself in a unique place in the marketplace? And you start with this nice clean slate of the positions, the skills and the knowledge that each one needs, and then what types of people do I need to put in those positions? Uh, and understanding that you're not going to put uh, p- different personalities in the wrong position because... They won't enjoy it, and they won't last, and they'll end up crumbling, and so will your business. So that's the first part of a team, whether it be a, a sporting team as well. I mean, I know Phil Jackson, the great uh, coach of the uh, Chicago Bulls and the L.A. Lakers, and he ended up winning 11 uh, national basketball championships in the USA. And again, you know, a coach at the start will say, okay, at the draft, these are the types of players I want. Wayne Bennett is, is amazing at that. Uh, who was the great rugby league coach of the Brisbane Broncos, he's won six premierships and with St. George as well, where he'll go, and he's in the process of doing it now with the uh, Dolphins, which is another rugby league team, and he's one of the legendary uh, um, coaches in rugby league, and he'll take players from other teams, and that player may not necessarily be a high-performing player in that team. But he sees qualities in that person. If I take that player and put him in my team with my mentorship and coaching and the culture that I'm building and I put them in that position rather than the position they had them in and gave them a chance, many times that coal turns into diamonds with the right pressure in the right environment with the right support and circle of influence and he's he's done that many times where he's taken players and great coaches will do that you come across a player who is not performing in one team then they get drafted to another team and all of a sudden they become a superstar and what's changed the player hasn't changed what's changed is maybe the position the coaching the uh, the circle of influence the culture the culture of the team uh, the disciplines and all of that because you know that's that's what you have to build in the business you have to build the right Uh, blend the right ingredients in the right combinations, and a team of champions will always be beaten by a champion team. A champion team is that not everyone has to be the best player, but they can work cohesively or do their positions, whether it be in rugby league on the wing, in the front row, uh, the halfback, uh, the kicker, the catcher, whatever it might be, they all have their different roles. And they all have their own personalities. They need a, a, a Ford made you need to be driven up the, right down the middle, but a winger may be a bit more flamboyant. They do the fancy dives and stuff like that, and they may make more mistakes because they're more fancy. But I, I put them there because they're fancy and they're going to do things which are spontaneously brilliant, and sometimes it won't work out, and you, you live with that. So, as a team leader, team coach for your business, list it all out skill set, knowledge personality, and then how they all work together and if you then you start to attract attract those people into your business now one thing's really important I have found is that the faster you run the more you're going to attract faster runners the higher your standards the more you're going to attract people with high standards and jack welch who is the one of the leading CEOs in American corporate history who is the CEO of uh, general electric he has a great book called winning another one from the gut uh, and he's historically known for bringing together a great team in his corporations of many, 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 yeah, tens of thousands of uh, employees. But he has a simple rule: in a high-performing team, there is the 20-70-10 uh, rule. 20-70-10. So, 20% of your team players will be the high performers. They are the ones who make the magic. They're the ones who do incredible things, they'll be driven, they'll lead the team by example. And you see this in a rugby league team, or any team for that, it would be netball, or rugby league, or rugby union, or basketball. There'll be about 20%, they'll be the superstars. But those superstars don't perform unless they have an engine behind them. And that engine is the 70%. The 70% of the workers, they're the ones who, you know, they will work their backside off with the right culture, if the superstars are setting an the example they 'll lift their game and work harder to match the, match the superstars. so seventy percent are the, the, the hard workers, and then you have ten percent, which will be people who you 're testing them out but you don 't know whether they 're going to work out whether they 're going to be lazy or undisciplined or a bit distracted, and you give them a go anyway so that ten percent always cycles off, and you find with a great sporting team. They never keep the same team year in, year out. There will be a cycle. But why are some teams they can keep building great championship teams with different players? Because the first step, which I mentioned, they build a great culture with the right, getting the right p- people in the team and put them in the right position with the right attitude and the right personality. And if you do that, everything fits really well and everything agrees really well to perform to a high level. Where a lot of other teams, they have you know, great players as well, but they don't seem to pull it off, maybe because all those connections underneath and putting people in, in that right position. And so, yeah, again, yeah, you have a uh, Jack Welsh is in your team. Now, if a low performing team, they're gonna find that probably uh, that 20% will, will move off because high performers wanna be in a high performing team. There are certain players who wanna be coached by a certain coach or go to a certain team because they know that if they go to that team, they've got a great chance of a premiership or a championship because they have a championship mindset coach and a championship culture within within that corporation or within that sporting team. If you can build that culture and get the right coach and you become the right coach, you attract the right people. What I realised in my journey, I never seeked uh, team players. Somehow they sort of seek me because I'm a person who's very driven, has very high standards, Uh, I want to achieve a lot, and I've always seemed to be moving and doing stuff. And I seem to attract people who want to be part of a bigger thing. And they saw that I was the leader of that train to get onto that bus or that train or that vehicle to take them where they want to be. Because they want to be part of greatness. They want to be part of something which is bigger than them. So if you can build that uh, by uh, putting all those positions and that culture and that connections uh, together, then you're going to attract the right people. But sometimes you may have to advertise. And that's okay. Make sure you advertise for the right, uh, the right type of person. And when you do bring people into your team, then you have to be careful. You have to select them, uh, you know, very carefully to make sure. Do they fit into the values of the corporation, or the team, or the business? Do they fit into the culture? You know, do, do you see them as a fit? They may be a high performer, but they may uh, be disruptive uh, for the rest of the team. Uh, many times. Um, you know, teams remove high-performing players because that high-performing players is setting a poor example in other areas for the rest of the team. So yes, they're high-performing in a very selfish way, uh, but not necessarily in a team uh, team way. So when you pick the right people, then you have to make sure they, they fit into the values, they fit into the purpose, they fit into the culture, You have to, their personality has to fit into what you want to do. And they, they, they don't want a job to get money. They want to be a part of something important. And they find out why is it important to them. Why do they want to be part of the team? What is their drivers? What, is their, what are their goals? What is their passion? What is their purpose? Because if they come for the money, then they probably won't last because too, no, then they'll never be happy because they always want more money. And then the money will run out or they go somewhere else because there's more money. And that's a, a wrong reason. You want them there for the right reason. And when the business grows, then certainly there'll be plenty of financial rewards to be shared uh, by everybody. So in that process of attracting, in that process of bringing someone on to your team, it's really important that you not just let them know of the job description, but you also let them know, of the, understand the culture, understand the values, the business values, and the standards, what we call the non-negotiable standards and the disciplines that have to be applied. Uh, this is not a nine-to-five weekends off-top of business. It, you, know, you have to do what you need to do to help the team achieve the goal. Uh, and sometimes that may require a bit of sacrifice, but that will obviously be very much rewarded down the track. And there are some things that you really have to... You can't necessarily always put into the uh, contract, employment contract, but something that you have to draw out of them to say, okay. And the more time you spend with them in different environments, I know Rory, Rory spent a time on the rule of three... You know, interview that person three different times in three different, completely different environments uh, and with three different groups of people. So you can see them exposed in different, different ways. You can see what type of person they are. I'll use one example. I remember I had what we call (coughs) an attractment day, and we had probably about 50 people come uh, to my college personal training studio, and they had to come and uh, we did this group interview. We always do group interviews at the start. And I was downstairs in the car park in my car and I was watching the people come in up the stairs. There's only one stairway to where we were going and I was seeing, you know, just having a look at them, how they behave when no one's looking, <laughs> when they think no one's looking but came mans in the dark. And I was there doing some phone calls anyway uh, and I, was, I always remember this young lady hopped out of the car. She, uh, she hopped out of the car she and her mum had driven her there and she just stood there and abused her mother. I don't know what it was about, but it was just just an abuse. Then she slammed the door and she went upstairs. And upstairs she was sweet as pie. Hello, hello, my name is so-and-so. And And she's just beautiful. But I couldn't stop thinking of how were you to your mum. If that's how you are to your mum... Then, how are you going to be to my other team players when I'm not around? I don't know. Now, I'm not saying that was the defining moment. I obviously gave her other moments where I could make up my mind, but it didn't go in her favour. We always used to put food out and see how, and alcohol out and see how people went with the food. You know, again, they, ah, oh, having not had dinner. You go, well, whatever, anyway, that's interesting. Or they start goggling in the wine and, you know, sculling the wine. So, there are different environments where you can observe people. Then we used to different. Games and competitive games, and see whether they're competitive or cooperative, and all sorts of stuff. So it's interesting to uh, take now to play this game called um, uh, Spaghetti and Marshmallow. So you get, you know, obviously hard spaghetti and marshmallows, and you get them in a, in a team of four, and then you get them to build a tower using spaghetti and marshmallows, and you say, there you go, you've got. You know, 15 minutes and you see who takes control and who, who doesn't get involved and who try to dictate to everyone else or who argues or who does, or who does the work and the other person has the creative style. This is just a little exercise to give you what we call clues into the personality of the people before you bring them on board, uh, your team. And that's why personality is really important. You put the wrong person in the wrong you, know, you put the wrong person in the wrong position. It's a it's a double wrong. It just 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 won't work. Yeah, it's, it's, they may not be into your into your culture, or may not be into your positivity. We had people resign because, oh, you expect us yeah you know, to be too happy here. So well maybe you should go to the Grumpy Company. So, yes, of course we expect you to be positive, you know, put your positivity facing if you want to go and be sad, then do that at home. Yeah, I know that can be a tender topic these days, but yes, it is a business and it requires people to be friendly when someone walks into the business. And ideally, you keep all your troubles at home or stay at home. <laughs> One of the either. Or find another company to, to work with. And But that's another different uh, uh, area which we're not going to cover today. So yes, really, you know, there's an old saying, you know, uh, hire slowly and fire quickly. <laughs> and that's why when someone comes on your team, you have a... Uh, a period a trial period and in that trial period you want to not in a bad way put them as much pressure as possible because pressure will either make diamonds or just crack coal one or the other Uh, so you put a bit of pressure on them at the start because remember when they start that's the best you're going to see them the first day of work they'll show up early (laughs) they'll be happy yeah that's going to be the best they have ever been Uh, and then you see what happens the first day they were you know, 20 minutes early and the second day they were 15 minutes early and the third day they were 10 minutes early and the fourth day they were three minutes early and the fifth day they were just on time and you go well wait a minute what happened there there's 20 minutes going over a period of one week and the next week they're one minute late <laughs> okay there you go there's a clue you know so That first day, see what happens or what dilutes or what deteriorates that first day to not just them arriving, but what they do and when they leave and how they are and how they interact. So be a great observer. You know, in the great book, uh, uh, you know, uh, Alex Ferguson in Winning, which is the greatest soccer coach for Manchester United ever, you know, his first, first start of the book is all about be a great observer, observe people. And Wayne Bennett said it also, who's the coach of the Brisbane Broncos, is he observes his players at training and he looks at when they're doing sprints, not at how who's the fastest, but who accelerates past the finish line versus who slows down before the finish line. And the ones who accelerate past the finish lines, they're the ones he wants, because they're the ones who go the extra mile. They'll go they'll accelerate when they don't have to accelerate. The other ones will slow down when they're supposed to be accelerating. Isn't that interesting? So There's just a couple of uh, observations of human character, human personality uh, that you can take into account to make sure you have the right person. And you're never going to know that until the long term understand that. But you want to try to weasel out the the weasels as quickly as possible before you put them on the team or within that time period of that trial period where you put them under positive pressure by all means and be a great observer. Be around them a lot and be there when they don't know you're there. Yeah, be there, observe when they don't know you're observing, because the the, the greatest, um, I guess, yeah, the definition of of, of, of great character, your character is determined by how you treat people who have nothing to offer you, or how you are when no one's watching. <laughs> That's that that is more an indicator of of your character, and you want to attract people of character that matches those particular positions. Once you've got that, then you have to go through with that person, uh, with the um, The gameplay, this is the position that you have and these are all the things I expect you to do. And Technically, that's your job description. These are what you have to do. Now, one of the other important things is to obviously integrate that and connect it to the values of the business. It's not about the what, it's the why we do it this way, or I want you to do it this way, but this is the reason why, because the why will make them buy into it and that why might be into the values of, of the corporation or the business or the team. That why might be into leading to the goals of the team uh, or the corporation or whatever, or the business. So everything has to have a why because if there's no why, then why would they do it? <laughs> so what is, yes, this is what you do, this is why we do it, and this is how you do it. And this is how you check that it's done and how I check that it's done. So this is what you do, your job description, this is how you're doing do it, this is the procedure of how you do it, uh, and you know, th- th- that's the what, the why, so this is what you do, which is obviously your job description, this is why we do it, which connects to the purpose and the goals and the values and all of that, this is how you do it, which is your procedures, your procedure manuals and all that, tick boxes, and this is the, how we check that it's done uh, through uh, whether it be they check that it's done, the checklist, or I, I check it. Now the, there's a the third box to make. Uh, there's another row that it's really important to link in. Then, with that into each individual, you have to find out what their goals are. What are their goals? And it's not just goals within the business. That's a good starting point. So, where do you see yourself in this business in one, two, five years time? Because obviously you're here for the right reasons. Where do you see yourself? What is your ultimate goal? And they may say, "Look, oh, my ultimate goal is to." Uh, yeah, take on a franchise. I know one of our graduates, Andrew Simmons, has over 60 franchises and trainers come on board there and they become a personal trainer and they go through the ropes and they go through the management training. But at the start they say, look, my goal is to really work my way up the, the, the corporate ladder, as they say. And if there is a corporate ladder, make sure it's the right ladder. You don't want to climb the the ladder of success and get to the top and realise you just climbed the wrong ladder. That's why it's important at the start to make sure it's the right ladder with the values and the purpose and the goals and the business and the passion and all that bit. And then they may have an ultimate goal to own a franchise and then maybe a master franchise, what it might be, or open up a second gym or another studio, become a manager or whatever it might be. It's important to find out what that is so you can connect uh, all the what's they're doing and the why is not just connected to the goals of the business, but the why will be also connected to... Their business goals, their career goals, but also their life goals. Find out what their life goals are. You know, what is their dream car? What is their dream where they want to live? How much money do they want to earn? Where do they want to holiday? What are the things they want to do? What is the charities they want to uh, uh, support? how You know, where do they want to send their kids if they to school if they have kids? And you try to connect the performance because if the performance in the in their in their role in the business goes up, then their performance that will be rewarding, achieving the goals of their business goals as well as their personal goals, financially as well. So if you can connect all those uh, levels of water, levels of performance, then they're not just going to get a benefit of hey, I've I did the job, good job, I've served the purpose of the business, fantastic, I've I've progressed my career within uh, the business, that's awesome, that's very satisfying, but also I've also. Uh, I'm now driving a, a better car, I'm living in a nicer house, I'm going on a nicer holiday, and that's one of the things that Rory and I did with yeah, our team, is that we had a, a goals list, and they listed all that, and we knew exactly what the things they loved, what they wanted to achieve, what their goals were, we also had a, a, a list of things that they just enjoyed, their favourite lolly, their favourite alcohol, their favourite, uh, you know, music and stuff like that, so when it came to times throughout their, uh, in the business when there was their birthdays or special gifts or Christmas then we bought them a gift which is linked to what they liked you know, they loved you know, Johnny Walker Scotts Whiskey, they're not going to go and buy them tequila, <laughs> you know, oh it was on special tequila but, Yeah, that's what we call the love languages, you know, and where we covered about the love languages find out what their love language is, how they like to be rewarded, how they like to be communicated to, what they, how they like to be connected to so if you can connect all of those, then you can, you can make sure that you know one button will trigger all the other buttons as well. And then you can check that regularly throughout their journey with you. And the same with a great coach uh, in uh, sport. I know there was a time when um, you know, Kobe Bryant and Shark, the, the great basketballers, they went to uh, the Lakers and it was said that they went there on a reduced Uh, amount of remuneration, still a lot of money, but they took a cut because they wanted to develop a team because they wanted to win a championship. They wanted to, let's let's compromise a few things, bring this team together under the great Phil Jackson, who's uh, wrote a great book called Eleven Rings, Eleven Championships, uh, and that team over time won five uh, NBA uh, championships, uh, American championships. And Phil Jackson wrote a book and it's all there in the book, as uh, Alex Ferguson wrote a book called uh, Le- uh, Leading, uh, a great book on his journey with Manchester United, uh, as Jack Welsh wrote a book called you know, Winning, and from the gut on his business uh, ventures of growing a great, a great team. The other thing is, once you've got all that in place, then as a great coach, you have to also understand is that everyone's different, everyone has their idiosyncrasies. And that's one of the things I learned a lot from actually Phil Jackson, who built the Chicago Bulls, and as well as uh, six championships and the Lakers, particularly he's talking about the Chicago Bulls with Dennis Rodman. And Dennis Rodman is a fantastic player. He's a naturally gifted, amazing player. But you can't treat Dennis Rodman like Michael Jordan, because they're completely different personalities. Jordan is very driven and very disciplined and very structured, and that type of Where Dennis uh, Rodman is a bit more of an emotional player, and so what I discovered in reading the book is that he's a bit of a party party boy, Dennis Rodman. So, so he needed to give him space to go and relieve his tension and partying with girls and alcohol and barking as my dogs telling me, "Yes, I agree. I agree." Uh, so he treated everyone differently, even so at the start of the season, he always book, bought him a book, uh, each of the book, which you know more and each pers- based on each personality. so as a uh, coach, yeah, you have to have that flexibility where yes, I have to take sometimes the the negative idiosyncrasies uh, with the good, but the greater good outweighs the little little idiosyncrasies you can 't treat people like robots and say everyone has to be. Driven and you have to do this and this, they have to be perfect. Sometimes you have to have that little bit of uh, flexibility on the sides to meet the personality traits, individual personality traits, and temperaments of people, as long as that's not completely disrupting uh, the rest of the team. And I've had high performing salespeople on my team who were brilliant at sales, but their paperwork was a mess. And I used to get the administration manager who were always complaining that this person is terrible, you have to get rid of them, their paperwork is terrible. And my, I sat down and I said, look, this this is the situation. If it wasn't for that person, you would have no paperwork to do and therefore you would have a position. So yes, let's work together to make it easier for these uh, some of our high-performance sales professionals to do the paperwork, but it's never going to be perfect. And that's why I'm employing you full-time to look after that and clean up a little bit of their mess. Because if they're not making sales, there's no mess, there's no sales, there's no money, there's no, no business. But that, that was a, a coaching session with... But I had to coach both sides to talk to each other. And they were completely different personalities and they, they gelled as as good as uh, water with oil. But I had to try to separate and manage that, that difference in, in personality, manage that difference in uh, expectations from each other. But overall, we overcame it, uh, you know, it was never perfect, don't get me wrong. But overall, the company was served well from both and it built the company to where you want to go. And you may have to do that until that person becomes what we call toxic, where they actually become that bad apple that wrecks the whole whole, whole the whole, uh, uh, fruit, fruit bowl. And sometimes that's, if you find that that person drags everyone down, then, hey, then it might be time to move that person. Because what I do know... If you move one person on, there's always someone out there waiting to step in. You know, sometimes you have to let it go to attract it. Uh, if you keep holding on to that person, you won't find the right person. Uh, it's, I guess it's like in any relationship, if you're in a bad relationship, uh, a personal relationship and you're, you're holding on to that person or for the wrong reasons or whatever it might be because of insecurity or whatever it might be, and you're holding on to the person, then how are you ever going to find the right person? So you'll be amazed as soon as you release that person, all of a sudden the right person seems to appear. Isn't that amazing? And I found that in uh, you know, 34 years of business. Once I removed someone, I found someone who came in even better. And then I said, why did I put up with this person for so long? Isn't that interesting? See, I've made lots of mistakes uh, in that journey. So when you're coaching uh, people, there's going to be idiosyncrasies, there's going to be some differences, and you have to manage all those different personality differences within the group, try to connect them together. There'll be some times where it'll be just too hard, therefore, hey, I need to remove this person or that person. And believe me, I've moved, I've coached many, many people off my team. And remember, when you're building a team, there's always going to be a turnover. Always, there's always going to be a turnover. Make sure in that turnover that you're not losing the culture, you're not you're losing the values, they are not losing the standards and the expectations. One of my uh, other uh, graduates who owns a, a massive gym, uh, and he has about 12 trainers, and it's really interesting. This is an interesting story. 12, now, high-performing trainers. They were magnificent. And the business was growing and he was making lots of profits. It's a three-storey gym and everything was fantastic. And everyone was driven and dressed. It's going, dude, we've got to win the premiership, win the premiership. And then, hey, COVID hit. And all of a sudden, the business had to shut and the government paid these team players to stay at home. Uh, and it's really interesting. Uh, they went from this high-performance culture to all of a sudden, they were paid to stay home where they didn't have to perform. And he said, that it's quite amazing because when they came out of COVID, Uh, about 20% (laughs) stayed high, 20% stayed high performing. They just kept, they came back in and yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was 70% where they actually went from a high performing engine and over that time period they went to a low performing engine. They atrophied away. They just became almost Complacent, And when they got back into the high pressure cooker of a business to perform, they were like, oh yeah, because when you're used to sitting on the couch, eating chips, watching Netflix and being paid to do it, that can make you soft, that can demotivate you. And it's really interesting in uh, how that changed people's personalities and changed their drive. So he found that all of a sudden he had this high performing team, which 20% were the high performers. 70% 70% with a high revving engine, always had that 10% of fat that was, uh, uh, that 10% of people we call fat, which is, you know, you want to get rid of, and the turnover. But he found that the 20% came back, and that 70% came down to that, that 70% transferred down into the 10%. And that grew and grew and grew. That that 10%, that, that 10% grew to almost 80%. So he had no choice, because he couldn't change that culture, because they already been inducted to this new culture of, you know, you know, arriving late, leaving early, just going the minus mile. So he just went through a whole process of cleansing. We call cleansing, where you move people out of your team. And now he's attracted five new, he removed six, seven, eight. Now he's attracted six, seven, eight new players uh, who are just, and this is just back to revving up. We've got this young buck team ready to drive into the business. What we need to do is remove that, keep the 20% because If you keep that low-performing group, the 20% get really upset. They say, why are they keeping these low-performers on the team? I'm a high-performer. I don't want to be a part of a low-performing team. And I can't carry the whole team. I need a team to support me. Uh, and if they're not going to do that, then I can't do it all by myself. Therefore, you find that you will lose your 20% if you keep those low performers. So if those low performers are low, you, either, you obviously give them a chance, you coach them, you do everything you can to induct them to back into that culture and that drive and that discipline and those expectations and those standards. But if that's not the case, then you have to coach them off the team, bring new blood into the team... And then you find that new blood will freshen everything up. The 20% will even go higher and they'll draw and train that, that new group of people. So you'll be back to your high-performing team. So a business, as is a sporting team, is very transit. If you look at any championship team who's won multiple premierships in a short period of time, you find that 20% are generally always there. There'll be a portion of the 70% are there and there will be a portion that is, is changing over, changing over, changing over. Uh, and you look at the great era of and I it you know, probably means absolutely nothing to you because I'm an old guy, is every, uh, if you look at the State of Origin, they had uh, Darren Lockyer, it had Cameron Smith, uh, Billy uh, Slater, uh, it had uh, Cooper Cronk, it had Jonathan Thurston. So you know, that, that era won you know, like 11 State of Origin championships with that core team and all the rest of the players, they cycled through. And now they, those, re, those ones who retired, they have to draw onto new blood using that same values, that same spirit, the Queensland spirit, the Maroon spirit of the State of Origin team, as in any team. If you're in the Chicago Bulls and you're playing with Michael Jordan, then you know that you can't be you know, a bit lazy because that's not going to work. If you're in the LA Lakers with Kobe Bryant, then that's a high expectation type team. And it's a whole different culture, a whole different expectation, a whole new set of uh, disciplines. And people if, if people have to buy into it. If they don't buy into it, they'll soon be removed from the team. So how to build a championship team? Yes, let's go through it just briefly to wrap it up. A, put on, on paper what does your ideal championship business look like? What, how do you measure whether you win the season? Then which season is your profitability? The position in the marketplace, your growth—you have to use those measuring sticks in your business. What are your goals, in your business? Where do you want to be, your business, to be in five years' time? And most uh, business decisions I make are normally based on where I want it to be in five years' time. There are shorter-term ones by all means, but big picture, I, I have to if I go to um, um, resetting the business, uh, going back to zero-based thinking. Which I do regularly. Where do I want to be in five years' time? Where do I want to be personally in five years' time in my business? And then you set that out and says, okay, that's. And now, what are the positions I need to do that? How is the structure set up? And what people do I need to put in those positions? And what skills do they have to have? What knowledge do they have to have? What personality, what they have to have? What profiles do they have to have? And put them in there. And then once you're in there, then you go. You have to get to find the right person with the personality that fits into the culture, into the values of the business into the standards and then you say okay is this the right personality for that position is this the right character for that position uh, and sometimes you may move people in in a team and they perform better in another position and that's okay as well if they find this is a great team player you you you, you find a position for them if hey that's the type of person I want in a growing business and then you go through the job descriptions obviously uh, then you tell them what to do why they're doing it and how to do it and then link that to the business goals and link it to their personal goals, how it's going to change here? It. So it's very personal. Their performance is linked to not just the business goals, but also their personal. The business goes well, their personal life goes well. If the business doesn't so well, then their personal life might, might be compromised. And you find people be very motivated by that. And when they're in, in that position, then you also have to understand there's going to be personality differences and personality conflicts. Uh, and, there's going to, and you're going to have to manage that. As long as you manage it and it will be a moving target, it will change. You, you can't treat everyone the same. You have to treat everyone differently uh, based on them and their idiosyncrasies. As long as one person isn't so toxic, they're affecting everyone else. If you can manage that, then the whole team together eats a cheese more. Even though everyone has different positions, Uh, different job descriptions different personalities and different idiosyncrasies and yes like every family (laughs) there's always going to be family fights and family conflicts and stuff like that but if you're the head of the family you can always manage it and work your way through and get everyone to be above all that see the bigger picture uh, to build your business as well most importantly their life